This is Banging on the Drum. Welcome to episode 17 of Banging on the Drum. Uh, we're going to be calling this episode Betting with Walker, the Indiana Ranger or Texas Ranger. I don't know. I think, I think it should be Walker, the Indiana Gambler. Walker, the Indiana Gambler. That's what we're going to call it. I'm going to actually change that in my notes right now. So betting with Walker, the Indiana Gambler. We're trying something new today, so we are going to split our episode in two, and we're going to hop right into that interview with Walker, uh, where he kind of enlightens us on betting. But yeah, he'll teach you what plus and minus signs mean and plus some plays to do. So pretty good interview with him, and we're going to kick it right to that interview. And we're going to be putting out two episodes this week. But here's our interview with Walker, the Indiana Gambler. Now, welcome to the show, friend of the podcast, a young degenerate better that is going to guarantee that you make money this March if you follow us at Picks on Twitter. How are you doing, Walker? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How's the rest of the show in here doing? We got Mike and Riley. Doing, doing great. Good. good to see you, Walker. Glad to uh, pick up some advice to be more of a degenerate gambler. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm looking forward to this. Um, <laughs> definitely need to win some money. And then I got someone's feet I can hold to the fire, too, if I don't win money. <laughs> so what, what's your Twitter handle, Walker? We'll get, we'll get it out right away. It's just Walker underscore severe, S-E-V-I-E-R, I believe. Check. All right, we'll go with that. We'll double check it before the end of the interview. And we'll put we'll put it in the interview as well. So you you tweet out picks, right? Yeah, I've been kind of on a slow grind lately, but I usually put all my picks when I'm pretty confident in them. Throw it out there. I've seen I've seen a few. I've seen you hit big. Riley will send me your shit when you're when you're he, hitting big too. During NFL season, he's uh, sending me all of his picks he's hitting on. It was a joyride. It was um, something I can't explain. The first six weeks, uh, I was up eight grand. <laughs> for, so I was like taking home a grand a Sunday, which was pretty amazing. But uh, And then I ended the season up 12 grand after the Super Bowl. So after that, it was a little bit of a roller coaster ride. But <laughs> Finished out strong, and um, like I said, NFL is probably the easy. I was going to go into one of the interview questions, but NFL is definitely one of my favorite sports, and um, probably the easier ones to bet on. I feel like with the coverage of the NFL, it definitely makes you feel like you have a better handle on what you're getting into. But but I think that would be the tricky part about the NFL is like there's sharks on that. I think we'll get to it later. Just like I bet you out there's out there there's a niche sport that you can get into that's very easy to bet because nobody covers it fully and Vegas is just like throwing out lines. But for you people who don't know about betting that much, we're going to explain a little bit later. 
But if Walker, you've listened, have you listened before? Do you know how we usually start with our guests? I I've just seen your takes on on social media, so a few clips here and there. All right, so you're going to be in for a surprise. You're probably not going to get question three right. We like to start our guests out with a little trivia. We're all over the board on it. So are you ready for your trivia test? Oh, yeah. Bring it at me. All right, so in the show, Walker, Texas Ranger. What was Walker, Texas Ranger's full name? Uh, Shoot. I, sh- I think I should know this one because every time everybody I need to meet somebody for the first time, they always mention this show. But <laughs> dang it, I thought I was original I, with that. No, have well, you ever seen the show Walker? Uh, shoot, when no, <laughs> is it in black and white? I feel like it's way before my time. <laughs> I mean, I remember going to my grandma's house and it being on the TV in the background, but that was way back then, so I don't, I don't recall his name at all. I couldn't tell you, I'm sorry. If, if you get the chance, go back and watch it. All right, we're Pat, gonna make you have it. seen it, correct, Pat? Oh yeah, I love me some Walker Texas Ranger. Yeah, me too. Me well, that's a Chuck Norris. Well, yeah, yeah no shit. Okay. My bad. So, so I'm gonna make the question a little bit easier. Was Walker his first name or his last name? His first name. Nope. Jeez, man, oh. you failed. So he was. His name, I even had a trick here because I assumed you were going to know it. So his his name was Corbin Firewalker. But since he got teased as a kid in the orphanage, uh, he just shortened it to Corbin Walker. Mike, did you know all that? I had no clue. <laughs> I won't lie. When I looked it up today, I definitely thought Walker was his first name. That, so I think that's like a Magna Carta question. That's a, a permanent now. Mm-hmm. But. All right, so next question. Who in the NCAA is the best team against the spread this year? Did I answer that earlier? You got it. <laughs> Was it I, might, I might need to double-check mine. So I will say the, the team you threw out there was not the team that I had. Gotcha. Yeah, I just, well, I just prepped a few teams – before coming on, but Jacksonville was a team that really opened my eye, especially because they were playing today. So I had Jacksonville at 19-6 and one this year. Is that so? So the answer to the question, I would have never got this if I didn't look up. So Middle Tennessee was 21-7 and one. And I think they were like 29 and what Tennessee would that be? Got, Tennessee's got some teams like these these small small market teams. I know uh Middle Tennessee was one. There was a few. I'm not sure if they're from Tennessee, but sorry with the T. Drawing a blank right now. Yeah, no. Tennessee is one of those states with a bunch of D1, like Chattanooga. And yeah. All right. So last question. If you haven't listened to the show, this one's going to be tough. You might go zero for three. What year was the Magna Carta signed? Uh, trying to tell you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Uh, i'm sorry you had some hard ones was it the jay-z and uh kanye album in 2011 does that count magna carta album that 2011 you know what i never even put that together that that was what that came from but anyways the answer is 12 15 i think think uh, i'll take the 2011 yeah it's good enough for me we'll give you a half a point there you go 
All right. So the reason we brought you in here. So we'll start it off. So we're going to do a betting one, getting ready for March Madness. Uh, this time of year tends to be a lot of fun if you're just watching basketball. But you better believe me, if you are betting on the basketball, it makes it 10 times more fun. So what got you into betting? And dang, Riley, your question's weird. So what, what got you into betting? No, that was more of a notes to myself that I copied and pasted. <laughs> and just didn't really think that one through. So I moved to Indiana about four years ago. I had no idea what to do with myself. But then I later found out that it's legal to online sports wager here in Indiana. So I downloaded DraftKings. And at that point, I was putting $10. And I get all giddy after winning a $10 straight up bet. Um, so it just kind of built up from there, just not having anything to do. Then the NFL season came along. And then I started, my girlfriend's dad's a huge, uh, he's putting big units on games. So I started to build my confidence up, started learning some system plays. The number one rule of betting Riley had put in the question was to ask if you wanted to had to win back your money, which is once you, once you're down, you're down, you give up. Like on a Sunday, you just got to like accept your losses and then uh, start fresh the next day. You can never try to win back your money that you've already lost. That's rule number one that you'll learn real quick because you're just dig digging that grave even deeper if you're trying to win back that money. So I got into betting basically as a as a hobby and you just got to stay responsible with it you can't get too carried away but yeah basically just as a hobby when i came down here and didn't have much to do i like that and it's a good answer because i feel like people who don't bet would just fall into the trap is like hey i put 20 on this game lost it so i just need to put 40 on the next game but yeah if I think you learn quickly when you're betting that that's yeah, usually not the best philosophy. Stay consistent with your units and uh, yeah, just, just avoid doubling up or then getting caught or getting caught away in parlays to win back your money. Cause parlay is <coughs> not really the answer to win back anything either. Can you explain units for us quick? So units, so each better has a different, their um, different version of units. So uh, my unit is $100. Some people will put $500 as their unit. Some people like may, big gamblers like the Sharps, like in Vegas, have three grand as their one unit. So when I say I'm up one unit, it means I'm up $100. Over a popular weekend in the NFL, like on a Sunday, I'll say, all right, I got five units out in the early um, afternoon games. That means I got $500 between five games out there right now. Usually, you'll be like, all right, out of that five units I've placed, I'm only up two or three because I, I lost three. So units is basically just your increment on what you're betting. So half units would be $50. Quarter units would be $25. Yeah, you're way more of a baller than me. A unit for me is probably <laughs> about a dollar. is equivalent. But, but so call back to listeners that have been listening to us the whole time we've exchanged the word unit for bing bong. So instead of units, we call them bing bongs. So how many bing bongs you got out there on the line? All right. So now this is going to break it down to people who may not have bet. So can you explain to us and 
I think all of us obviously know what some of the stuff is, but so, so let's say against the spread, the bucks are minus 13 tonight. And what exactly does that mean against uh, OKC? So bucks minus 13 against OKC. Yeah, so that means Vegas thinks that Bucks are at least 13 points better than the than the Thunder for tonight, for example. So typically the odds would be minus 110 on that number, specific number. So you would have to bet $110 to win back a hundred. And then you on a once you place that bet, you want the Bucks to win by more than 13. If they win at the number 13, then it's called a push and you just get your money back. But if they win by 14 or more points, your payout would be $210 because you waited 110. Payout is 210, so you profited 100. So you're up, you'd be up one unit at that point. And I feel like that's the part that gets people confused. They're like, so you bet $100 or you bet $110 and you only won 100. So didn't you lose 10? But like, I don't know, for some people, it's just hard to get that to click in their head. So you, you're betting 110 and you win a hundred. And I think I just made that confusing by restating it. But anyways, you win, you win a hundred. Yeah, you just explained it perfectly. I don't it's know. It's like why. going to the casino. You always gotta the house always has to get a portion of the portion of the pot. So I mean if you lose that I mean they get 10% of your cut after losing as well. So yeah, that's how you gotta think of it as well. Juice. Say the Bucks are minus 13. What is there a number that consistently I didn't even look at it this beforehand, but say if you want to bet the Bucks, but you just want them to win. So the Bucks would be so if they're 13 point favorites, but I just want to bet on the Bucks. What do you think the norm like how how much money would I have to bet to win a hundred? If they're a double digit favorite. Most likely, you're gonna have to like the odds are gonna be minus like 900 to maybe even a thousand. So at that point, it's not really good juice to be able to lay that much money to just win 100 because it might be a fluke night for the Bucks and they what's his name Josh Giddy for the Thunder might go off and just totally destroy and pull off a win. So um, if they're minus. On the odds, say nine hundred, you'll have to bet nine hundred dollars just to win a hundred. So your payout would be a thousand bucks. Whereas the opposite line, where the OKC Thunder may be plus five hundred just to win outright, so just a hundred dollar bet would win you five hundred or pay out six hundred. At that point, if they're if you have a double digit favorite and you you think the underdog has a chance to win outright, you might just sprinkle a little bit on the money line because it's got a lot. Of, got a good value into it as well all right this i'm gonna add to what we got here so is there a standard way so we're using against the spread where a parlay shifts out money actually can you explain what a parlay is and how it affects your odds as you go deeper into a parlay say maybe a three-game parlay then a five-game parlay and that, that's as high as we go. Because if, if you're going more than that, if you hit it, go for you. I've hit a couple five gamers in my life, and I've been very happy with it. Yeah, so uh, parlay is when you combine two or more picks together. You can go – I'll first explain the, like a two- to five-leg parlay. 
if you just combine two or more picks at minus 110, it's usually about 230 plus 233 on the odds. So both of those hit at even odds, a hundred dollar bet uh, would win you 230 bucks or so, or pay out 333 is typically what the odds are at that point. But the parlay, it just increases in value. Your, uh, your total payout increases in value over time. So if you hit a, uh, so say a five, five leg parlay, typically if they're all at even odds, a hundred dollar bet pays out like $2,400. So you can see the difference between just a two leg going from 233 to hitting all five legs, which is harder than it sounds could potentially pay out $2,400 of a hundred dollar bet. Oh yeah. Way fucking harder than it sounds. Like, like I said, I, I used to like to have like a little play where I would be, I would bet maybe five or six games and then I would put $10 on all my games combined. I've had a couple of good weeks doing that, but I, like I said, I've hit two of maybe the hundred I've tried to do with that. I think you touched on this a little bit. What is the easiest and hardest sports to bet in your opinion and why? Each bet has got their own personality and what type of sport they like to bet on the best. Personally, for me, NFL football is probably the thing I look forward to throughout the week. It gets me through the week during from September all the way to February, second weekend of February. I really don't know what to do with myself after NFL season ends on Sundays. But yeah, definitely NFL football to me would kind of be the easiest just because I know more and I get about a week's rest to think about the upcoming games and what the teams are uh, strategizing for their next opponent. The hardest is probably in-season NBA, just because it's so unpredictable. I mean, you got teams that can go out there and just dog and just fall apart and just have a very off night. And it's just very inconsistent that way. I mean, now that we're after the all-star break, teams start to turn it on a little bit more and games start to be more competitive. Uh, But just to win money in the NBA regular season is tough to do if you're consistently betting the NBA. Now, maybe a couple marquee matchups here and there would be good to place bet on. Uh, But to consistently bet the NBA on a random Wednesday night, it's it's you're not going to win too much money doing that. How many days do you take off every week or two weeks? So. I, I don't really bet that all that much after the NFL season. Super Tuesday is a good day for me um, for for college basketball. I love the full slates on Saturday, especially big conference matchups on Saturdays because, I mean, those 18-year-olds, they, it's hard for them to go to class during the week. I mean, you got to remember there's students playing, playing a collegiate sport that is on national TV in the middle of the week. So I, I know they got school and stuff they're studying for, so if they got a game – that night, they might, might not be all that prepared for it. So I really enjoy um, Saturday slates to bet on for college basketball. But I probably just bet throughout the week, maybe two or three times a week. I don't like try to waste all my coins or all my units on, like I said, on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. I like to kind of – I usually keep myself about $500 to play with throughout the week and if I'm above the $500, great. I'll cash it out to 500 even. If I'm below that, I'll try to work my way back up to that $500 amount before next week or in the next weekend. It's kind of how I play it. So just a little bit of a callback. So you said NBA, which is 
super understandable to me. NBA regular season is very hard to bet on. Do you think it shifts gears when it goes to the playoffs? And do you bet on series or do you like betting games? Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, I paid for my girlfriend's treadmill that's in the garage right now with Bucks and Six in the NBA Finals. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can bet on series if I got a good feel that they'll win in so many games. I mean, that, that's got some good odds to it. Then again, each series has its own st- st- statistical history. Uh, for example, LeBron James doesn't lose a game one or doesn't lose a game two very often after losing a game one. A statistic you could throw out there um, to help with betting or the road team. Like they, they got a lot of things out there. The road team doesn't lose very, or the series will be won in so many games after the home team wins game one in the first round or something like that. So um, there's a lot of things that you can base off of history in the NBA playoffs that can help with your bets. And that, that's that's what a lot of things is in betting. It's just looking at the history or against the spread records or past past things that you almost look at that more so than you look at the matchups themselves. My last question, and I'll kick it over to Riley for some more fun ones. What is your Moby Dick of gambling? So what is the one thing that you want to hit one day or something you're shooting for a lot that you haven't quite hit yet? One thing that I've always dreamed of hitting, like I'll throw a 50 cent parlay on all 16 games in the NFL slate just to hope to win one. And I I came close this year. It wasn't 16 games, but I was just like, man, the dogs are barking. I woke up Sunday morning on a random (laughs) week. I was like, man, the dogs are barking today. So I took every single underdog in the spread. And I think the the New York G-men, the Giants, they screwed me. It was one leg short. And I was, that was, I think I was eight legs. It was all the morning slate games, but yeah, the Moby Dick of. And what was that 50 cents going to get you? Oh, it was going to be, oh, that one was, I think I'll put $5 on that one, but it was going to pay out like 16 grand. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's just crazy when you put together uh, just a spreads, a leg parley on NFL on NFL weekend. So, do you have a mindset when you wake up in the morning? So, you said when you woke up, the dogs were barking. I notice when I wake up and I'm still drunk, that's when my best betting mind is on the table. It's like, like I'm a little fast and loose with it, but I'm like, I'm just clicking these. Like, I think both the five game parlays I mentioned before that I hit. I was still drunk in the morning when I put them together. I have a a routine, I would say, between Saturday night and Sunday morning when I wake up getting ready for NFL. I actually listen to two different podcasts and get these guys. It's called uh, the first podcast I listen to. They don't put a lot of statistics out there. It's a lot of like betting personalities. They actually put a podcast out of Vegas called Circa. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of Circa Sports in Vegas. Uh, but if you've seen videos of this big pool area with a giant screen that's above it, that's where Circus Sports is. And the other one's banging on the drum, right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> uh, after this, the uh, it's called Beating the Book with Gil Alexander is the first podcast I listen to. Um, like I said, he's got three or four personalities on there, and they all get three picks. They're three best picks for the weekend, um, best underdog to win outright. 
and I kind of get their their personalities and some of them are are biased and some of them are grudges against players and so forth and um, one guy always mentions Teddy Coverwaters, Teddy Bridgewaters, because he always seems to cover the spread. Um, and the next one, this is a really good podcast to listen to during during NFL. It's called the Action Network podcast. I'm not sure if y'all have heard of it it's with Stucky, but they they put a lot a lot of stats out there for you to for you to listen to, and it gives you good insight. And I'll I actually have like my picks in mind, my six favorite bets for the weekend, and then I'll have that in my mind before I'm listening or to the podcast and I'll let them kind of steer my steer my picks or my decisions after that, or if I want to stick with them, whether I, I like their advice or if I don't. So that's kind of how I make up my picks for NFL Sunday and going into it. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much my routine. It, that is interesting. Cause in like my career weather forecasting, and that's kind of what we do is like, we look at like what the models are telling us. We already have our opinion when we're going. I like that though, that you basically read the data given the way you know how to read it. So wait, uh, Pat, Pat, did you just say that weather forecasting is just gambling? Pretty much. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that that was accurate. So it is. And <laughs> some like like we have, we have Walker on here. There's prof- I mean, I don't know, call himself a professional, but there's people who are good at it. And then there's people who eh, maybe not be that good, but I'm going to kick this over to Riley and Riley, you take over. He's our energy guy today. So get ready for Yeah, this. Real, real uh, energetic here today. Um, so Walker is actually the one that got, I didn't, I haven't really gambled too much, but like got me into the idea of gambling a little more. So thank you, Walker. We'll kind of shift gears towards NCAA basketball and just March Madness coming up, at least with my questions. This NCAA year, what teams have you kind of been riding all year and you've been winning with? I know you mentioned some before, but have there been like any else, anybody else? So, I mean, there haven't been too many wagons I've been jumping on teams-wise. What I really look for is uh, system plays. So one system play I would really like to jump on is viewing where the money is at for against big conference matchups. So say in the Big 12, you got Texas Tech versus Kansas. It's a big Big 12 matchup going ahead, and Texas Tech is on the road at Kansas, and they got to get a win. Well, them being on the road as an underdog, you might see the public being heavy on Kansas. So there's maybe 70 80% of the money is being bet on Kansas at that point. You want to fade the public in big conference matchups like that and then take the opposite side. So um, that's just an example of taking the opposite of what the public would pick. And that has had about a 64% um, winning uh, winning percentage for me. So anything over 55, 58, you would say, man, that's not that's not really that great. Well, anything above 50 in betting is, is super good. So I, I would take those system plays any day. So, where do you find uh, the number for the where the public's at? So I have the I talked about the Action Network podcast. So I actually have the Action app on my phone. To be able to get the premium, you do have to pay a hundred dollars for a year. Uh, that hundred dollars can go like you just got to think I got to win this hundred dollar bet, and then I'll pay for the app. So uh, that's how I thought going into it. 
And uh, with that, you can view where the money is at. You can look at the team's histories, their last five games against the spread, their overall record against the spread. It's got where the sharps are at. So what I mean by sharps is sharps are those big, big money move guys in Vegas, like that I said, are putting three grand or more on games. So you get to see where the sharper big, big one unit bets are at on the game. If there's two, three, four sharp moves on this team, it'll show it'll show you what the projected line is at versus what Vegas has the line is at. So that's another thing you can look at. So say projected line based off of stats is the underdog should be plus three points, but Vegas has them at only plus one and a half points. You might as well take them at the plus. You might want to take the favorite at that point, for instance. So, um, and then it also has guys that frequently use the app or big uh, Twitter handles that are verified for sports gambling on which sides they took. They'll put that information on it. So, if you're a wannabe degenerate or want to get really get into it, the hundred dollars can go a long way. And it's just interesting to scroll through and kind of persuade your picks as well. So that's where I get the where I can see where the handle is at for the for each college game. The other way to go back to the question that. I really like is Arkansas. Arkansas in the SEC has been uh, one of my favorite teams to ride. Alabama was early on, but they fell off a cliff. It seemed to be after uh, um, start February when the game started really picking up. But yeah, Arkansas would probably be my go-to team that I really like to ride throughout the season besides doing the system plays. With March Madness coming up, uh, we're in, we're, as we're recording and as this will be released, We'll be in the middle of conference tournaments, which are all neutral site games. Does anything change with neutral site games in terms of where you should place money? Because I know home teams are, for the most part, favored a couple points. But I know neutral site, obviously, you don't have that home court advantage. So for the conference tournaments, it's going to be a little bit different than March Madness because those games, your opponents are seeing each other for the third time this season. Sometimes you'll get some pent up, I would say, like rivalry moments. Like you could say Michigan and Wisconsin, uh, with that scuffle at the end of the game. The next time they face, there might be a little bit. If they do face in the tournament, there, there could be some some other things going on besides the game. So those can kind of play a factor into what you're, you're betting. But as for like a neutral site, um, the only thing that I would look at is how those two teams played early on the season. If you were, if they're a way team, it's hard to look for this statistic, but I like to look at what team is more susceptible to going on runs versus giving up the runs. Um, and by runs, I mean like point totals or like going on like a 10 0 point run rather than giving up 10 points at the same time. There's, there, there's a couple Twitter accounts out there um, that you can follow that put, put some graphs up there. Wisconsin's one of those teams, for instance, that they both they go on um, big runs, but they also give up at the same time. So that's a stat that you'll look for, especially at neutral site games. But yeah, I, I would I would mostly look at that, and yeah, I would do that. All right, kind of last one for me before I give it to Mike. I know you've given a couple trends you look at. With NCAA basketball, do all the trends you look at kind of stay the same from sport to sport, like against a spread as a home team and an away team? Do you look at that the same way you look at uh, like an NFL team? No, not necessarily. The NFL, 
you have four teams in your conference based off 10 to a 12 teams in your conference. Conference plays a lot more in the uh, in basketball than it is in, in NFL. I think in NFL, conference plays big time. That's when you can get your big big value in money under or money line underdogs. For instance, one of my favorite favorite wins was when Las Vegas beat um, the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. Not last, not this year, but the year before. I think they were plus like over five hundred on the money line. I was able to hammer that. So they were. Uh, there's some good value in in conference matchup or divisional matchups in the in NFL, whereas in college basketball, I mean, you, you can find a needle in the haystack and find a, on a a big dog as well. But I think the spread's more of a safe bet to place on the underdogs um, in college basketball rather than the money line. All right. So if there was only one conference that you could bet teams from moving forward, which conference would you go with? My the one I'm most most familiar with would be the Big Ten. And you just gotta love Big Ten basketball more than almost any other conference, in my opinion. I think they're they're both equally aggressive offensively to defensively. And uh it's more of a smoother game pace. I think when you're for the big east, for example. I could just tune out of a game because Marquette's getting blown out by 13 points and I flip up the game back on 10 minutes later and here they are winning. So it's like the big East is very, very unpredictable. Whereas I think the big 10, I, I can have a grasp on it and predict when a underdog is going to, going to pull something out like IU this weekend against Purdue. I had a feeling IU could have, that, that was, that was their chance to make the tournament besides winning the, having any shot at winning the Big Ten tournament the upcoming. They had to seal a second game away from Purdue. I, I would I would stick with the Big Ten um, just because growing up a Wisconsin Badgers fan and just being around around that conference so much. And on top of that, the coach's personality, Tom Izzo, one of the things is you never bet against Tom Izzo. And uh, those coaches have been in there a while. I know you got some new faces in, in that, but – that's the part I'm most familiar with. Do you ever pick out a small conference and just gamble on them during the season? Like maybe take like the whack, really get knowledgeable on those teams and then kind of just run on those where Vegas might not have the same, same interest. Yeah, not, not so much. You'd be surprised. Um, like on that action network app, you can see how many bets are placed on certain conference games. And a lot of times you'll see more bets placed on these small conference games than you, ha- than you do on these uh, like big 10 SEC, big 12 games. Um, and I, it's kind of like eye opening to me when I first was looking into that. So it doesn't matter what conference it is. Vegas always has to be sharp with their numbers. In my opinion, they're always, they're always hunting out there and they're on top of their game. It doesn't matter what bet you're going to place. You're always going to be sweating it out. Like I'm in front of the TV and my girlfriend's like, "Where are you sweating? Your team's winning by 13 points. It was like, I need them to win by 16. Like you don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) So there, and I'm from living in Muncie. Uh, Ball State is right here in Muncie, Indiana. So I got the MAC conference right here. So sometimes I get to the, the nest and watch a ball state take on western michigan or something like that <laughs> and put some money on it it's always always a fun time so um the mac conferences 
is definitely interesting. Uh, Western Michigan for football, college football is unbelievable. Uh, Maction on Tuesday nights is always a, always always a ride as well. I'm getting a little bit off topic, but um, that's that's the that's the glory of small schools. You get middle of the week college football, and you get some crazy college basketball games too. Eastern Michigan versus Bowl, like Bowling Green, you couldn't ask for much more on Tuesday night. <laughs> All right, getting back to the tournament. Who's your favorite dark horses? Dark horses as in? As in uh, like a team that can make a run that's maybe lower than an eight seed. Okay. Wake Forest, I believe. They're one of the hotter teams right now, especially against the spread. But I could see them making a, a run deep if they get lower than an eight seed. I think they'll make the tournament. The ACC is super competitive. Being in that type of conference and putting up a record that they did uh, was kind of impressive to me. Impressive to me. Outside of Wake Forest, Providence is another team out of the Big East um, that I could see doing super well in the tournament. I'm trying to think of anything that would be any lower than that eight seed that could get in right now. And that that's kind of what I, I want to hear about because I don't I don't think uh, Providence is going to fall to like an eight seed, but like just just a team you haven't heard much about like yeah. i know if you pay attention to the big east you've you've heard of providence ECU. but it may, maybe like a four seed or better because you know tournaments are usually getting won by your top four seeds it, uh, riley mentioned tcu the horn frogs are they're they're being competitive right now and i could see them putting up a run in the big 12 if it wasn't for texas tech the red raiders are really strong right now as well it's just south, south dakota state but, <laughs> Something to say, yeah. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can tell you this: Chattanooga is going to be out right away. That game against Furman, that was that was making my eyes hurt watching that game. I think there's two points scored in the first four minutes of that game, so that's that's going to be an easy out. Whoever Chattanooga plays, just take the favorite early on in that one. <laughs> that, was, that was awful. I just. Like I said, I think it's a year for these favorites, these big schools. You're going to see the top four teams make it far in the tournament. Um, big Ten, I think, it's going to get wiped out besides Iowa. I just don't think these these other conferences are just a lot better than the Big Ten this year, and the Big Ten's kind of battle each other out and beat each other up throughout the year. The reason why you I think say, Iowa's yeah, the reason why yeah, I say yeah. Iowa is they got to win something this year, man. Like from college football, losing. Losing in that Big Ten championship game and losing the bowl game the way they did to Kentucky. I think Kentucky's who they play. And then having a ch- chance to share the conference, uh, the Big Ten conference uh, title in the year after Wisconsin lost to Nebraska, losing to Illinois. They got to find a way to win something this year, and I think they're going to show it out in the, in the tournament. So I would take Iowa out of the Big Ten to go far. Providence out of the Big East, Wake out of the ACC, that's kind of a sleeper team besides Duke, probably Texas Tech in the Big 12. So feet to the fire, who do you got winning it all? I liked, I mean, Auburn's kind of falling off a cliff. I, I fell in love with Auburn at the beginning of the year, their fast pace and gameplay, and that's the type of way you got to play in the tournament. And they've been in some close games, matchups through, all throughout the year um, with being dominant. And I think the recipe in the March Madness tournament is to be able to uh, make your free throws and extend the game. And I think that's one thing that Auburn does super well. And uh, and 
although they're a dominant team, they've played in some really close games and that experience will go, go a long way. So uh, I see, see Auburn was an early favorite earlier on in the year. They kind of fallen off. People forgot about them. So I think they're going to, they're going to get back up to their groove. And uh, I, I think I'm going to take Auburn as my pick to win it all this year. Charles Barkley would be happy. <laughs> there we go. Happy Charles is good, Charles. So with that being most all of our questions, you got anything else you want to mention with betting in this uh, March Madness? No big deal if you don't. Um, I'll give you all a system play to really follow along in the March Madness tournament. I did this last year which was kind of hard because of COVID and everything. There wasn't a lot of crowd noise or anything like that. So in the March Madness tournament, with the last like three, four minutes in the game, fouls increased by 20% because of the reason why I mentioned earlier that teams want to extend the possession, create more possessions from themselves down the stretch and extend the game longer. So this goes for over-unders, not spreads. So say the opening line of the over-under was um, 135 points. If the live over under, if you can live bet, if the live over under is now 10 points less than that, the initial spread say it was a slow start, then the second half at any point, you take that line at 10 points, like at 125 over under, because it's going most likely going to get jump back up to the original line because Vegas is usually always right. So keep an eye on that line spread throughout the game. If it drops down to 10 points or less at any point, take the over at that point because most likely it's going to give it back up to that one one thirty five mark um, ish that it opened up at, especially with more possessions doubling up at the end of the game. So there's a system play out there to watch out during the March Madness tournament. I like that. I mean, it makes sense to me. That's why I like that. With that being your betting information, so you got to follow Walker on Twitter. Uh, we're going to attach his Twitter handle into this episode. And we'll probably tweet something at us. So if you're following us on Twitter, you'll see his Twitter handle. Follow those picks when they come out or tell him he's full of shit. But I'm going to be following him, winning some money this March Madness. And with that all being done, did you guys all prepare your top four Cinderella teams of of all time? So Mike is always going off the cuff. Yeah, Um, I don't even know what I'm going to do here. I have like one team and one team only that I want, and then everybody else I kind of can just I fill in. I'm in the same boat as Riley, so if you have somebody, <laughs> I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> oh, I, I feel like we. So. Like, oh, I'm gonna crazy. crush you, bitches! Just crush. You I feel like I feel like I can't get anything before like 2000 for me because I'm just too young to remember. Like I feel like it'd be so unfair to pick anything yeah. from like 2000 and before. I won't, yeah, put out the obvious one that I know you're referencing that's way before all of us yeah. were born. And not way before Mike was born, but still before. <laughs> still, still before, before I was born. Yes. <laughs> still. So with this, we're going to do our top four Cinderella teams of all time. We're going to see how it goes. Um, maybe while we're going through this, we're going to have to knock it down to three. We are going to go with the draft order. So Walker being our guest, Walker, you're going one. Mike, since you don't have anything, you're going two. Riley, you're going three. And I'm going to go four and just wipe the floor with you guys. 
I won't take the best team of all time. I'm going to take the most electric team, Cinderella team of all time. And I'm going to take FGCU, Lob City, Dunk City. When they take, what did they do? Sweet 16. They were one of the most, that's one of the most memorable teams I can remember. That, and they were right around the same year as the Clippers were big with DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. So you, yeah, those teams kind of go on hand in hand. And it's just one of those teams I always think of when I think of March Madness is FGCU. That was a great pick. I You were in a bad spot, I think, to pick that team, but that was definitely in my top two picks when it came back around. But, yeah, so they were a 15 seed that made it to the Sweet 16. So, yeah, that, that was sweet. And like you said, they were just absolutely electric. I'm going to be the homer here, and I'm going to take the 2000 Wisconsin men's basketball team. Final four appearance, eight seed. They scored probably less points than any team that's ever made it to the final four in the history of NCAA basketball. That I can probably back to the 30s. I'm going to take the 2000 Badgers basketball, and that's going to win me this little uh, Twitter poll right there. So I'm happy about that. That's crazy. I set myself up for this draft, and those were my two, my first two picks. <laughs> right off the board i'm not gonna crush like i thought i was going to so good job all right is it a best job though well you guys combine so you guys can uh what do they call that when when the one guy works the other guy's hand (laughs) walker's like what in the fuck (laughs) all right for my uh First pick, I'll go to uh, neck of the woods with Butler uh, University in 2011. Uh, they were number eight seed, made it to the final four with Gordon Hayward, and then missed that half-court shot off the backboard, rimmed out to win the championship. I think they were are like the definition of a Cinderella team, at least from the team that I can remember. That and FGCU. FGCU is a good pick, but. And that was like such a good team too, because I feel like I can't remember if that was their second run at it, but like Butler became kind of a staple after that and ended up getting in the Big East. Cause I don't think, I don't remember what conference they were in, but I don't think they were in the Big East when that shit went down. All right. So I'm going to go back to high school and I'm going to go George Mason, 11 seed, making the final four. I'm trying to think if I can even think of any players on their team. I just remember that being like so crazy to people at the time. And that was one of the first Cinderella story teams that I really, really remembered. Since I got to go back to back, I'm going to go with my girl, sister Jean and Loyal <laughs> Chicago in 2018 on 11 seed, making the final four. And that team. They did, that team definitely didn't seem like a Cinderella team. Like that team looked like they were they were actually there to win it. Like they didn't they didn't make the final four by mistake. So I don't know how Cinderella that is, but I mean it was like people didn't hear about them beforehand. But they were definitely a good team. They weren't weren't getting lucky. All right, for my second pick, this is kind of a toss up between two or three teams. But I think I got to go Davidson 2008 as a 10 seed, made it to the Elite Eight with Steph Curry. 
I think they beat Wisconsin that year. Um, they definitely did. But that was that was that put Steph Curry on the map. That made Davidson. That's the first time I've heard of Davidson, and they were just like a fun team to watch. I, I remember watching them against the Badgers and like hating their guts, but after they were like such a good team, to, such a fun team to watch. All right, this draft's getting way harder than I thought it was going to be. Like, everything, have to go to three. Everything's <laughs> off my board. Are you guys good going down to three, or should we scrap it out till four? We can, three. we can, we can go down. Three is good. All right, Mike, what do you got? Uh, so, and I don't know where they finished up, but I remember uh, them. Uh, current coach of the Marquette Golden Eagles. Shaka Smart and the VCU Rams had a run, and I believe it was in 2013. 2011. Um, 2011. I'm going to take them. They made it to the Final Four, and I think they played Butler in the Final Four. So it was like an 11 seed and an 8 seed in the same okay. Final Four. You still got anything on the board there, Walker? Yeah. So my final or the last two picks that I'll take. First one's going to be Wichita State in uh, 2013, making the Final Four. They had Ron Baker. I think the last time I saw him, he was playing for the New York Knicks, and he got the memorable name of Fred Van Fleet, who's just went off. He's been playing incredible in the NBA playoffs as of lately. But in that tournament, they were just playing. They weren't the best. It really shows their role in the NBA, kind of like as a six-man player. They're a really nitty-gritty team, and the way they played it out in that tournament. Um, they they made their way to the final four in pure hustle and determination. So um, that team was definitely something fun to watch. And it seemed like Baker, he played for that team for like six years. Every single time he turned on March Madness, you'd see that kid playing for Wichita State. So it seemed like his career for that team never ended. But I'll go with Wichita State. And then for the last pick, I'll have to go with Dayton in 2014. I remember this team because they busted so many brackets the very first game of March Madness. They played Ohio State and upset Ohio State and literally ruined every single bracket at, at my high school at that time with them winning winning in that first, uh, first round game against them. And they really put Dayton Flyers on the map, I feel like, after that. And people started taking them seriously. And that's what I think Obi Toppin brought him there Archie Miller. get some big names later on uh, from that from that tournament run right there oh yeah I remember I was in Milwaukee watching watching that game in a bar with a guy wearing a Dayton Flyers shirt I was like I <laughs> didn't even know who this team was he sure had a good day all right basically everything's off my board so I'm going to be scrapping for my last pick Mike, who was your pick? It's VCU. The, yeah. The Badgers. Badgers in the okay. 2011 VCU. So my last pick, and I got to figure out what year it was, but I'm going to take the UConn 2011-2012 Kemba, Kemba Walker team, who shouldn't have even made the tournament, and then they won the tournament. I believe they were an eight seed. That sounds sounds right. Yeah, he had to win his conference championship off that step. Yeah, up. yeah, they were like, if they don't win the championship in their conference, they don't make it at all. Like even running through that tournament, like to the point that they did, 
more than likely they're not even going to make it. They win. They won like, what is what is it like nine or ten games in a row to win the NCAA championship? That's what's up. Yeah, it's weird to hear UConn being in the Cinderella role, though. That's by, so that's fair. Right, right. Next. Yep. If you take my team, I'm done. I think I did. Wichita State, 2013. Nope, that's already been picked, bitch. Damn. <laughs> All right. Now we're down to teams I don't know. All right. 2017 South Carolina. I know it's not a number eight pick and below like we chose. It's a number seven pick, but you guys are going to have to suck it up. Yeah, 2017 South Carolina. They were a seven seed, made it to the final four. I don't know much on this team because most of my teams have been taken, so I apologize for that. All good. All good. Yeah. I would consider that a Cinderella game. Anyway. Yeah, and it's not like South Carolina. It's like one of the teams that's Blood. dancing all the time. I am going to go with 2010 Cornell, 12 seed that made it to the Sweet 16. And the only reason I know that is because I got something up on my computer that told me that. So... <laughs> That's how my draft went. I definitely expected to get Wisconsin with my first pick and Florida Gulf Coast, and I don't know right. why I thought that. I thought for sure I'd get FGCU as well. So I should have known I wouldn't do my homework and that I'd have to fall back on Wisconsin. I That's thought like if, if Riley or Walker took Wisconsin, I was going to be a little bit pissed about it because <laughs> they like were like four. That was three or two at the time. <laughs> All right, Walker, let's hear about your your best parlay ever and then Riley's hypothetical parlay that you might be able to hit. Well, the, the best parlay ever would have been week uh, week three of the NFL. I literally didn't lose a bet that day, and I only parlayed one. I only parlayed three games together, which was absolutely crazy, but I came away with 2.6 K in my uh, DraftKings account after that day. Um, I'm, like it was just, I can put this up the screen. So as you can see in DraftKings, it, you have one where you can show all and what you've won. So all shows your losses too, but these were just all wins going all the way down the board. I had a push right there in that parlay. But man, Check it out, ladies. <laughs> I was upset that I didn't parlay anything that day. So. What about that, that the? Was a, that was a fantastic Sunday, and then the best parlay that I hit as of recently was Christmas Day. I hit a five legger. I bet against my hometown here, not my hometown, but the residence I'm residing in right now, Ball State, for them to lose the bowl game because they're a bunch of frauds all year long after winning the MAC last year. I took the Bucks to win by four um, on Christmas Day. If you remember that, they were down by down by a lot against the Boston Celtics and they came back and Chris Milton hit a couple free throws to push me over the edge there. Um, I bet against the pack. Riley knows me for always betting against the Packers in the regular season. I just don't know what it is. You're going to be one of those suckers that's eating our shorts next year. Yeah. I just, uh, (laughs) not a fan. Like, I don't know. I just you got, got a Rodgers bias. It, it, it's a it's a Rodgers ish for me for him losing in the playoffs when he lost to the Buccaneers in the playoffs and I had 
I, I think I put a dime on that game, a thousand bucks on the Packers to win it. <laughs> I put 500 on that one. That one slowed down my betting big time. After that, I was like, I'm done betting on Aaron Rodgers. I hate this guy. All he does is care about his interception to touchdown ratio. I'm done with this guy. But anyways, so I took the Cleveland Browns in this parlay. And then uh, I took another NBA game in the Warriors to cover the spread against the Suns. And then the very last leg was the Indianapolis Colts. And they were hot at this point. They lost the next couple of games afterwards, missed the playoffs in good old Carson Wentz fashion. But they beat He their- pooped his pants. Sorry. He pooped his pants. He sure did. Um, but <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts. So this was a $100 bet that paid out $2,423. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a you. good Christmas. Santa Claus definitely came for you. Definitely. <laughs> it's a good Mike's birthday, they call it at the Doherty household. Yeah, we celebrate Christmas on another day. <laughs> we know who's important. <laughs> all right, Riley, what's it, what's this bet that's gonna so, make us richer than all so the this is the thing. I know safeties aren't common in the NFL. But hear me out on this bet. You parlay in every single game each week. I've done this. I've I haven't done it, but I've looked at the payout and the odds for this each week. If you even do a dollar, so I do a dollar on a safety in every game. The potential payouts usually between three trillion to four trillion dollars. Trillion. So you'd be richer than ninety-nine percent of most or 99 percent of countries their gdp so if you have 16 dollars to throw aside each year that you won't see again just do that and maybe one time it hits and you're you're richer than you can ever think of that's riley's writing advice that's riley's retirement plan <laughs> doesn't, doesn't know about 401ks or Roth IRAs. He's just putting a dollar on. I mean, a, even every if you game do to, what one set would be, one cent would be what three million to four million. I'm bad at math, but if you do the decimal, yeah, yeah I have no clue, dude. But I, I don't think there's any way you're seeing that money. You hit that back. No, I agree. I feel like you're getting even assassinated if you, do, if you think you're getting it, like if you really think you're getting it, or they're gonna let you like cash out of it at a very lower amount. I feel like you'd start getting like notifications like, hey, no, but cash out even now. past that, you look like such a genius. You don't tell them you've done this every week for 40, 50 years. You tell them. I I just did this. I mean, I felt like this was going to happen. And then you look like you're a genius. And then you have a career path set after that. You're working for bookies. You're working in Vegas, you know. Wait, so I got a a quick question. That's a safety in every game for one week. Correct. (laughs) So not a safety that happens every week in the NFL. Correct. Okay. Okay. No, I listen. That would be exceptionally amazing. This will never happen if you have 16, 17, whatever, 20 bucks. You might as well do it. 
They say the best part about buying a lottery ticket is just thinking about what you're going to do with the money, like before you spend it. So, so I guess I kind of get that. So Riley's over there, like I'm going to buy an island. So to be fair, in 18 weeks of football last year, there were a total of eight safeties. Yeah. So, I mean, likelihood is pretty, pretty low, but I just like, I know. I just like Riley sitting over there, like, you know how many Coney Island double dogs I'm going to get with this shit? He's like, you could probably, like, make Coney Island successful for that, with that amount of money. Get down to Texas, let them know what Coney Island's all about. All right, so this is our second time saying goodbye. People tend to bring up good stories right when we hit uh, stop recording, so... Thank you again, Walker, for coming on and for all the advice. So if you don't win money uh, betting with him, he lives in Muncie, Indiana. So <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll be able to find him. Just, just ask Jerry where he's at. I'll start fresh come tournament or Big Ten tournament time. So I, I'll keep my record on as through March Madness and y'all tail. All right, we're going to be paying attention, retweeting you. Like I said, we're holding your feet to the fire now. Uh, Got to get some traction somehow. So I'm trying to be like, book it like Trent, I guess. There we go. No, I, I think we're going to, I think you're going to do well. I like the tips, tricks, and the explanation of what it is. So I think that'll help some of the listeners be able to pay better attention to that. So thank you again for coming on. That will conclude part one to episode 17. Like I said, we're trying something new today. So we're going to kick this one out as soon as I get it done. And then stay tuned like you're watching Walker, Texas Ranger, to later this week's episode of Banging on the Drum, where we kind of get into pretty much the normal stuff with Wisconsin Minute, uh, overs-unders, and touch on some spicy meatballs and Packers news that broke this week. Thanks for listening. And all you suckers that doubted the Packers can eat my shorts. Hit it. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can eat my shorts. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can eat my shorts. Eat em. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can eat my shows. Nom, nom, nom. Eat my shows.